Hello, and welcome to the Road from Emmaus podcast. I'm Jason Lowe, joined by Andrew Chow, and we are two totally ordinary Catholic guys hoping to share our journeys. Like the disciples on the road to Emmaus, we've each encountered Christ in our lives. Join us as we talk about what comes next. On today's episode, Andrew and I dig into the foundations and fundamentals of our faith life. Why are we Catholic? Before we can answer that question, though, we need to take a look at a couple of other questions. Why believe in religion at all? And of all the religions in the world, why Christianity? We touch on moral relativism and how Christianity isn't just about being a good person or following a set of rules. It's being in a relationship with God. Hope you enjoy this first part of our two-episode miniseries. By the way, I booked a surprise guest for the beginning of the pod. Maybe flip over to YouTube for that. So today I've booked a special guest, totally as a surprise to you. And I'm going to bring him on. His name is Peter. I'm going to walk with my camera here. And let me see if I can pull it up. So you see that little dot in the on the ceiling there? I can, yeah. If, if anyone's listening to this podcast instead of watching on YouTube, uh, this is going to be riveting. What does it what does it look like? Looks like a, a spider or some sort of critter. Uh, yeah, on I the think ceiling. it's a, there we go. I'm giving you the rear camera now. It is oh, wow. it is a spider. So this is my special guest. Oh, I just turned off my video. It's my special guest, and uh, like I said, his name's Peter. He's been hanging out in my room for like two or three days now, and I thought it would be appropriate to bring him on the podcast. Um, when I first discovered him, so I, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I'm actually not a big fan of spiders. So growing up, I was, uh. I was scared of them. And yeah, when I first saw him in my room, uh, a couple of nights ago, I wasn't happy cause he was like hanging out, like literally over my bed and I had to go to sleep with him over me. And that's not something that I, uh, I was looking forward to, but then I was thinking like, I think it was yesterday. I was like, maybe I'll like him more if I give him a name. You know how people just do that and like they like personify their <laughs> animals or bugs or whatever. I, I don't think like uh, spiders are, are commonly on that list of things that people will give names to. But yeah, I know. But I, I was know. trying to go against the grain there. And I mean, like I, I, I even started thinking yesterday, like if he came down like low enough for me to like capture him, maybe I'll keep him in like a little cup, get him some like grass to live in or whatever and like feed him bugs or something. <laughs> I think it was working because, like, now I'm a little bit fond of him. I, you know, I really regret ever discouraging your initial segues um, because <laughs> we're heading down some really different paths here. I, I don't even have a segue for this, man. I just wanted to share my story about Peter, Peter the Spider. Oh well, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad you have a pet. Um, <laughs> welcome to having pets. Um, hopefully, you know, it's uh, it's uh, brings you lots of joy, Peter the Spider. Yes, exactly. Um, so speaking of joy, we hope to bring you a lot of joy with today's podcast. Um, today we want to get a bit more foundational and uh, talk about a few questions that we thought would be interesting for us to share our own experiences about, uh, but also to share our knowledge about. And really the, the end question here is, why are we Catholic? Um, and I think to answer that question, we actually have to go through a few other questions first. And that being why even choose religion, right? At all. 
And then in terms of choosing the religion, why choose Christianity, right? As obviously, as, as I'm sure you, the listener, know, uh, Catholicism is, is one branch of, of Christianity. Um, but yeah, before we even get to why Catholicism, we thought it would be best to kind of talk about those questions first. And uh, we're actually going to do a little two-part episode, two-part series going uh, thing here. Um, so today we're going to be just talking about why religion and why Christianity and then the next episode, we'll go into why Catholicism for the both of us. Now, before we get into those things, uh, we do have a bit of an exciting announcement. Um, we, had, we had quickly mentioned it last episode on January 1st um, that we had something to announce. So we are excited to announce that you can now find us on uh, Fountain of Love and Life. Um, so our podcast, um, we've partnered with them and they have their own kind of multimedia platform. And I'll give you all the information, but just to, in case you haven't heard about what Fountain of Love and Life is, um, short form FLL. Um, so they're a Catholic multimedia evangelization ministry. So in terms of multimedia, um, you know, they do, they do so much stuff. They do t- TV and radio productions. Uh, they, they have music productions, um, publications. They, have, they hold evangelization events and fundraisers. Um, obviously, they're on social media. Who isn't? Um, but I think we're excited to join them, uh, kind of as a podcast to go on their kind of audio platform. So, um, they were founded in 2004 by a group of Chinese Catholics. So kind of like us, you know, they, they, um, were Chinese Catholics and they decided to do something to try to evangelize their Catholic faith. Right. And so, um, really it was a match made in heaven. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, in terms of where you can find them, um, they are online at fll.cc. Um, so that's fll.cc. Now, having said that, that will bring you to their Chinese website. Uh, I can't read Chinese, Andrew. I think you're better than me, but I don't think you're particularly that great. Um, so no. I, so you can actually um, on their website. There's a there's a button at the top right, but you can also just type in fll.cc/en uh, to get to the English website. Um, so yeah, go go over there, check out check out Fountain of Love and Life and what they're all about. Um, and you can definitely find us on their platform as well. So um, that that was really exciting for us, I think. Yeah, no, it, it's great to just, um, you know, we, we know some of the folks over at FLL and and, uh, and it's good to be able to be a part of their ministry as well and just, you know, come together and, and see how we can really make sure that uh, for those folks who would uh, find our podcast helpful, find it interesting, that, that we make sure to uh, find whatever, you know, means possible to get in front of them. Yeah, and they're really involved, really, in the Catholic faith. Just like, like I said, multimedia, so many different platforms. Um, they're in obviously they're 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 mainly based in Toronto, but I know they have operations in Vancouver. I think in Hong Kong mm-hmm. as well. Um, and just to even plug a bit, they have weekly radio broadcasts, right? In terms of the audio side, um, a friend of ours, Lyndon Chan, uh, he does a podcast with them as well uh, called The Holy Catholic Brew. Um, his podcast is a bit more interview based, so like. Um, you know, his most recent one, he interviewed Cardinal Thomas Collins from, you know, the Arch- Archdiocese of Toronto. Kind of a big deal. Um, but he's also interviewed um, Father Peter Tyrone. I, I hope I could pronounce that right. I've met him before. He's the director of the Newman Center at Toronto. So um, Father Peter's great. Uh, Sister Mary Grace of the Sisters of Life. So Lyndon, um, that's definitely, you know, a really good podcast to listen to in terms of all, you know, you talk about knowledge based um people and authorities, uh, you know, those are the type of people that he can bring on. I don't think we'll ever get someone like Cardinal Thomas Collins on, on this podcast. So, 
Never say never. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? Um, and then even going into the archives um, of, of FLL's audio programs, uh, they have a they have another podcast called uh, Love and Life Coffee House. Um, I re- I listened to it recently, and there was a friend of ours, um, Grace. She shared about her World Youth Day journey uh, in in Panama, and that was really good. I, you yeah, you haven't been to World Youth Day before, Andrew. Uh, I've been to no. two. Uh, in Brazil and Poland and just I want to do a podcast episode on that one day because uh, World Youth Day I truly believe is one of those experiences that every Catholic needs to go on um, as a a young Catholic. Um, Singing Praise, another older podcast in the archives. Uh, There's a couple episodes just diving into praise and worship music if you're into that. So the two episodes were on Lord I Need You um, and Ocean. So two super popular Christian praise and worship songs. Um, just really diving into uh, almost the technicalities and, and the beautiful lyrics um, that you won't find anywhere else. So uh, yeah, just really excited again to, to partner with FLL and be on FLL's um, platforms. And um, now you can find us there as, as well as the usual Spotify and YouTube and uh, Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you find your, find your podcasts. All right, so let's get into it. Um, the question of why religion, um, I think, is a really interesting one because, you know, there's so much of society who, um, yeah, like they just kind of go through life and they're they're perfectly good people, right? Um, good people, good neighbors, good friends um, who don't believe in a god at all, um, and yet, you know, this is the kind of society that. A lot of us are brought up in and i think sometimes you know more often than not that might push us push us uh, as christians and catholics um in a direction that we're not really fond of or used to yeah it, it's um you know our, our society today in a lot of ways it's a tradition of skeptics right um where you know everyone uh, likes to figure things out for themselves and, and particularly in that culture um there's kind of this uh, idea that you know catholicism or or religion in a lot of senses it's it's this you know this antique way of thinking it's it's for before people had science kind of an idea um and and you know it's a little bit uh it's for my parents and they only go because my grandparents went kind of a thing Mm -hmm. right um and and so i think it's for us you know as as youth in any religion really uh, in a lot of ways we end up going against the grain right you know um uh, i shared last last year whenever it was um, yeah, last year uh, when uh, I went to work with the ashes on my forehead for Ash Wednesday, and it was literally to the point where yeah. people were confused. No one had any idea what was going on there. And when I started sharing, you know, everyone was really taken aback that that you know that there's this person who's 25 years old and, and actually actively pursuing the faith. Like it was it was a weird thing for them, right? Um, so yeah, it's it's you know it's an interesting question that wouldn't have been asked. I feel you know. 50 years ago, 100 years ago, right? But, you know, today it's a very relevant question, I feel. I think something with today's society uh, in terms of, you know, when it comes to ethics and morals is there's a lot of, um, you know, everything is okay or like, you know, speak your truth or be your best self or, or all of that. Like, yeah. w- what is the issue with, with that kind of thinking? Yeah, so so what you're talking about, it, it's called moral relativism, right? R- relativism. Relativism, oh close enough. Relativism, yes. Um, so it's the idea that like morals are a relative thing, right? You know, um, I have my set of morals because of how I was brought up because of the society that I live in and you have your set of morals and I can't judge you for that. That's kind of the idea there. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I think on the surface, when you first hear it, it sounds kind of good, 
right? It's like, okay, yeah, like, uh, who am I to judge? You know, I don't know what your upbringing was. I don't know what happened there. Uh, I don't know why you think the way you think. Um, and so let's not judge each other for that, right? Um, but, you know, th- there are some things that, you know, you're when you start to follow this trail of thinking a little bit further, where you start to run into a couple areas that, that kind of um, don't sit so well, right? So, you know, the first is that if we talk about this moral uh, relativism um, as an idea of how you were brought up, another way of talking about it, it's almost like formalizing groupthink, right? It's how does everyone else think, and, and that is what's right. So society, because of how the group thinks together, right, um, that decides the right. So I think, you know, one really quick question, it's, it's quite radical, but, but really a, a quick question that starts mm-hmm. to turn this on its head is, so does Nazism, right, the, the kind of rhetoric of the Nazis become okay if most of society thinks so? Mm-hmm. If all of a sudden you wake up one day and, you know, your neighbors and everyone has the swastika mm-hmm. and, and everyone's saying like, oh man, Hitler was so misunderstood. We all need to go back to that concentration cramps were great. You know, we need, we need to get rid of the scourge or, or whatever, whatever that turns into, right? Is that all of a sudden okay because the rest of society woke up one day and decided so, right? And I think that for most of us, you know, when we start to think about that, yes, it's, it's extreme, but if we... If we accept the ideas of moral relativism, then then we have to accept that eventuality, that possibility, if, if you will. And essentially, if, if we do that, then we start justifying really every kind of evil, right? Um, yeah. We don't even have to... Uh, there's so many different you know sins and evils and bad behaviors and vices that we can use as examples. Um, but like even to go to another extreme, right? Like if, if murder starts you know going on left and right uh that does that make this evil justifiable right Uh, because the rest of society thinks so so i I think yeah i think thinking through that in terms of this whole idea of moral relativism um it really starts to make you think that like you know this again on the surface this whole idea of speak your truth be your best self um you know it sounds nice right it's it's nice and warm and fuzzy and i don't bother you and you know we can just agree to do our own thing right in life um but that will only get you it won't get you far at all it, it won't get you far in terms of you know really trying to figure out what your your mean what life is in terms of its meaning right um and so i think instead you know obviously as as christians as Catholics and, you know, anyone who is religious, there has to be some kind of objective morality, right? Yeah, exactly, right? And, and I feel like even if you talk to enough of these people who who kind of uh, push the rhetoric of, of um, you know, this relativism, they'll say, well, no, society will always write itself back, right? Society will end up in the right path. And, and when they say that, knowing it or not, what they're saying is that that means morals aren't all relative, right? That means that it, everything isn't subjective anymore. Exactly. There is an objectively a, a positive, yeah. right? There is a good. Um, and, you know, that that's kind of where we end up. And that is, in a lot of ways, one of the reasons why for us as Catholics, right, we, we really lean towards the faith because we know that there is an objective morality and objective truth, right? Um, and, and we want to move towards that good. I want to talk about uh, something you pulled out earlier on, um, the whole question of who am I to judge, right? And I think it's it's important to distinct, uh, you know, again, regardless of, I guess, I guess from a, from a Christian perspective, from a Christ- Christian and Catholic perspective, um, you know, we don't preach that we should go around and condemn 
others for the things that they believe in, right? Um, I think what we always try to encourage is to try to have real discussions, right? Try to, um, you know, the the idea of having arguments doesn't have to end in violence. It, it doesn't have to end yeah. in, um, you know, just hating the other person, right? You can you can have these kind of intellectual discussions with, with other people of different worldviews, of different beliefs and different faiths, and try to genuinely understand and also genuinely explain, you know, where the other person is coming from, where you're coming from. And through that kind of um, intellectual uh, discourse, that's how you really um, convince others if you need to, right? Uh, evangelize to others that, you know, the, the, the objective truth, that the real truth is, you know, for us at least, you know, the Christians, uh, sorry, what Christians believe in in terms of following Jesus and following God. Yeah, and it's it's more than just, you know, how do I get the other person to see my side of things, right? It's also showing that you yourself have an actual pursuit of truth, right? And I know we're going to get that get to that in a yeah. second, but um, it's something we're touching on here is that um, you can't say that I believe in the objective truth and I believe in discovering that truth if you're not open to having a conversation about yeah. that, right? If you're not opening to, like, when you talk about intellectual discourse, right, what that really is... Uh, if we're breaking it down, is two people coming to the table to try and find the truth. That that's that's really yep. what it is. And if you approach it that way, then sure, some people will will get you know a little bit um, you know energetic. Some people will get a little bit more heated. Um, but if you come at it that way, then it makes it a lot easier to engage in that type of conversation with a healthier kind of mindset of you know, I don't really care how upset you get. I'm just here to find truth. And if you disengage from that, then you know you then you disengage, right? That that's you know that's that's right for you that's fine right um but for me i'm gonna keep on going for going after the truth and, and going for you know uh, using my reason the best way i can yeah it's it's interesting and uh, i don't know where this what i'm gonna bring up uh i don't know where it's gonna go but there's actually a really low-key kind of relativism rel relativism that happens a lot um, and I'm going to call myself out from like 60 or 120 seconds ago and also call you out for 30 seconds ago um <laughs> It's very easy for us to say, you know, it's really worked its way into our own kind of language and vocabulary these days to say things like for me. Right. And even for uh, so when I was explaining again, like two minutes ago about uh, this whole idea of, you know, what Christians believe, I caught myself prefacing it with for us at least. And I, I'm on two. I'm on. I'm kind of on the fence about this. And, you know, it'd be nice to get your thoughts, too. Um on one hand, you know, you don't want to come across as overly brash. You don't want to force your views on the other pe person because that can just as well drive the other person in the in the wrong direction, right? Like they they mm -hmm. they they think you're forcing it onto them, you're, you know, suffocating them and suddenly they um, they're just like, "You know what? I don't want to talk about this at all." Now, on the other hand, you don't want to be too, you know, tolerant of things like, uh, you know, exactly what we're talking about, relativism, right? By saying things like for me, you are inherently just being like, yeah, you know, this is only this is this thing that I'm telling you about that I'm trying to proclaim to you that I'm supposedly I believe is the truth. It's only for me. It's only applicable for me. Um, and it's or, or as I said, for us, at least. Right. So um, I don't know. I don't know if you have thoughts on this uh, in terms of what the balance is. Yeah, I do. Right. And I think, um, you know, it's also easy to get oversensitive to the whole whole topic. So what do I mean by that? Um there's the one side of saying like, you know, um, 
what is my truth, right? Um, and that's something I think we want to shy away from, right? To your point, we don't want to say this is my truth because this is we're looking for objective truth to, the, to what we just said a few minutes ago, right? But at the same time, what someone else does, that can be right for them at the moment, right? So what's right for me to do right now is different from what's right, right for you to do right now, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and how and how we're going to interact with different people. So I think that there there is a difference there and there's a level of... Um, Acceptance in the sense of, you know, recognizing where you and the other person are at, right? You know, if, if, if for, for your examples that you brought up, right, if being too brash is not going to help this conversation, yeah. then it's prudent for me not to do so in, in an act of charity for the other person, right? Like, I love you enough that I'm not going to do this to, like, make you heated and upset you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not to say that I don't think that what I think is true. It's not to say that I don't think that will be true for you as well, but I know that you're not going to be receptive at this point, so let's not, you know, rock the boat unnecessarily, right? And, and that, I think that's kind of what I meant by, like, you know, that might be the right per- thing for that other person to yeah. do at that moment, right? So I think there is a difference there. Um, and this is really a, a big thing of humility as well, right, is to say, like, you know... Um, just because I'm pursuing truth doesn't mean that everything that I discover, I have to go to the street corner and tell everyone about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's a really important piece of the, of the of the pie here is that, you know, we're not doing this in a vacuum, right? Like, I, I feel like I say that a million times, but, you know, we're pursuing truth at the same time as pursuing virtue, right, as Catholics. And, you know, one of the virtues is humility. So, like, don't, don't, you don't have to go out there, you don't have to start preaching, um, you know, you can, you can discover truth quietly on your own as well. And God will give you that opportunity if he if he wants to use you as his instrument, right? Exactly. Um, exactly. So we've spent quite a bit on relativism. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about before? There was some, one more thing I wanted to say, but I don't know if you had anything else. Yeah. No, go for it. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, you know, just as, as evidenced by this, I don't know, eight to nine, ten minute conversation on relativism, it's a huge topic. Uh, Andrew and I, like, it's not even fair to say that we've barely skimmed the surface. Uh, there's a lot to kind of dive into. And it's so relevant uh, to our society today. Like it is, it is the most relevant, one of the most relevant topics in terms of differentiating between, you know, again, what we believe as object of objective morality and objective truth, versus what the what society will push on us, right? And if there's one thing I would recommend is um, there's a really awesome series called Who Am I to Judge? Uh, precisely that question that we talked about. It's by Dr. Edward Shree. Um, you can find it on Formed if you have a subscription. Again, if you don't have, subscri- have a subscription, you can find it through your local parish most likely. Um, but yeah, the, the series is called Who Am I to Judge? And I don't know how many episodes or, or lectures it is, but it's so so full of rich information in terms of how to think about moral relativism um, that I, I would 100% recommend it. I've listened to it myself and watched it myself. And it, honestly, it's a, it's a great series to follow. Yeah, um, Dr. Shree is really great. He, he breaks things down really well, I find. Uh, in, you know, he, he'll take big theologies and big philosophies and he'll kind of break it down into layman terms, which is nice. Yeah, exactly. Um, so in terms of the second thing that we want to talk about in terms of answering the question of why religion, um, it has a structure of consistent thinking. And I think that really helps t- in terms of shaping our worldview. Uh, but maybe you want to go into it a bit more. Yeah. So I think, um, you know, one of the things that happens in society today is that, you know, I think all of us realize that to some degree, uh, it's a world of fads. You know, where does society swing us into? What, what does society say is, is the case? And um, there's actually, so I, I want to um, bring out something that I went on a retreat a few years back. And one of the one of the guys at that retreat, he said something that I thought was really profound. Um, and what he basically said was that the reason why he chose to stay with Catholicism and with religion, even when he was on the fence about it, even when he was starting to like go into different directions, is that 
he tried the whole society thing. He tried to dive into that, but he found it was so hard to keep up because society would just keep justifying the unjustifiable, right? Whatever's next, it would just justify. Whatever it thought would be fun, it would justify. Even if, you know, 30 days ago, that was awful. Mm-hmm. And so he found that that was such a, you know, dynamic and, you know, just a morphing society to live in that it was difficult to ground yourself, difficult to know, you know, how do I establish who I am? And so that brought him back to religion where it's like, well, no, in in religion, in Catholicism, you know, um, what we say is right, is right, is right. You know, it's not like that changes yeah. with the times, right? Um, what, what is taught is taught. Um, and, and that doesn't really change. And so he found a lot of comfort and solace in that, right? And being able to to rest in knowing that the framework, at the very least, is, is rigid. The framework is not going to be something that's ever-changing. It points you in a consistent direction, right? It, it's it's exactly what you said. Whatever is right, is right, is right. And, you know, that's not to say... It's, it's interesting because... Uh, and, you know, this is a Catholic podcast, so I guess we're going to look through things as a through the Catholic lens um, uh, when we bring up references and examples. But if you think about one of the criticisms of our church, um, people are constantly saying, like, you know, the church is so resistant to change or it takes forever to to, um, you know, move something forward or whatever um, when it's a council, when it's going through a council or a teaching or, you know, definitely not a dogma. That's not going to change. But. It's interesting to think about that because even though it's one of these criticisms from, you know, general society or the outside, for us, it's kind of like, well, it's because we are like, like all religions, we have a consistent structure that we're trying to follow. We have a, uh, you know, a set of morals and and teachings from Jesus himself passed down um, that we need to adhere to, not because, you know, it's to check off a box, but because it genuinely will bring us happiness, it will bring our neighbors happiness and, and it, it'll show us the way to love. So, you know, in that sense, we it, it really provides us that path to not waver from and again, to have that consistent structure of thinking. Yeah, and I think it's also really easy to like jump on the bandwagon of, you know, questioning those things to say like, oh, why, why does the church take so long and that kind of a thing? Um, but you know what I found at least, and I feel like you've had similar experiences, is that um, when you when you stop and you take a moment to understand what the church teaches and why, it, it's a lot easier to see like, oh, this isn't something I just want to part with on a whim. You know, this isn't this is these aren't things that we can just you know because of the flavor of the month we're gonna say you know maybe we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, these are things that have you know been tried and true through you know centuries and through millennia, right? That that um, that the church has taught and you know the new things that do come through because it's not that new things don't happen right take for example in even in our generation right with um saint john paul ii and the theology of the body right where people would say like oh is this something new you know uh, it's more often than not it is um a further uncovering of truth rather than a new truth to replace something old right uh, and I think that's also really important to know is like, you know, when when we do come across things in, in Catholicism and Christianity that seem to be new teachings, know that it's, you know, it, it's not to say that it's to replace something else, that we've amended how we think about something. It's that we have augmented, we've yeah. built on what we've already learned, right? Yeah, exactly. 
And, you know, I guess the flip side, it, it w- we would be remiss not to point out the flip side of this, uh, that being, you know, that it, it doesn't necessarily mean that the church is perfect. You know, we live yeah. in a fallen world and the Catholic Church itself has had, yeah, it's it's fair share of scandals, right? Uh, we're not going to be yeah. shy about that. And, uh, you know, I think that will probably be, you know, if we do get into it for another episode in terms of how to think through those things. And, you know, we, even with, we kind of like, you know, on the surface touched it in our What Did Pope Francis Say? Uh, kind of episode yeah. in terms of how to think through it but you know we don't we're not here to say that everything that the catholic church um and the people within it uh is you know to- totally inv- infallible totally perfect um you know like i said the church has had its fair share of scandals um but i think that's just a reflection of again our, our own brokenness and you know fallen humanity but not a reflection of the truth that we are all seeking as a collective of, of trying to reunite ourselves with God, who is perfect, who is infallible, um, who is love and is, is the only person, the only, the only one who can bring us out of our, our own brokenness. So I just want to, you know, caveat that in, in case that first reaction from, from anyone listening is just like, yeah, no, you know, the church isn't perfect either. Yeah. We're, we're totally on, we totally agree there as well. So, yeah. 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 Um, and then, so, you know, when it comes to religion, uh, a lot of the discussion often centers around, you know, having a good moral code, having good ethics. Um, but, you know, like I said off the top, um, you don't have to follow a religion to to just, you know, be ethical or to have good morals or to love or to be a good neighbor or a good friend. Right. So religion kind of brings to life more than just having a good moral code. Right. Yeah. You know, it, it oftentimes it begs the question, right? You know, when we think about religion as just a framework to be a good person, it's like, do I really need help to be a good person? Right. So I, I talked to my uh, spiritual director about this and he, he brought this up and it was a really good question, you know, like, do other people help? Yes. And it's not to say like, I don't need my parents to like help raise me and all that kind of stuff. But like, if we think about a me on my own, like, do I really need anyone else's help to think like, oh, you know, would that other person appreciate it if I did things this way? Um, you know, how do I be a good person? Like, not really, right? So, and this is often a criticism, right, of of, um, of religion. It's like, oh, like, why do I need to follow this to be a good person? And kind of our answer is that, yeah, you know, you don't. Um, but the point isn't just to be a good person, right? Um, and this is kind of, you know, we're following a bit of a trajectory here. For those of you listening, if you, if you can notice, like, we start off being like, well, you know, what about all this morality thing? Well, there is a good morality, right? And and, the, and then now we're like, well, is that the point? Well, no, right? And I realize it sounds a little bit contradictory, but it is heading in a direction, right? To say, you know, the morality is good and it points towards a truth, but that truth you know, and I'm going to sound a little bit overly scholarly here, but like the truth goes beyond that morality. And I'm not trying to sound whatever, but you know, mm-hmm. it, it's just there. Right. Um, and so, you know, we look at society and, and then, um, you know, we can pose the question too, right? Like for those people who don't follow religion and ended up as really good people, you know, we see a lot of people who've reached you know, a lot of levels of success according to society and who are just depressed, yeah. right? Who are yeah. really, really struggling um, and who just don't know the meaning of life. They go from one thing to the other, right? And just have a really, really tough time. And I feel like that's almost a testament that like, you know, being a good person isn't isn't really the point. Um, you know, like there, there has to be something more to that. Yeah, uh, you know, you've written on the doc here, humanity's innate search for truth, right? Um, all of these, all of these little quotes that you have are basically your best impressions of Bishop Robert Barron, I think. So I'm, I'm trying. 
but no, yeah, I think that's really important. And it's a perfect tra uh, transition into kind of the question of why Christianity, right? Um, so, you know, when it comes to having good morals and having good ethics, uh, we need to realize that, you know, it, it doesn't just stop there, right? Um, and before we kind of delve more into this question, uh, I do want to say that, you know, Andrew and I aren't here to kind of, we're not going to get into comparing to other religions, um, you know, when we talk about Christianity, when we talk about Catholicism. I think mainly for us, you know, there, there's a way to go about that, uh, but either, you know, we're not, we're not, um, I don't know, we don't have the way of saying that stuff that, you know, we're, we're a little worried about offending others, um, or you can just call us cowards. But that's not something that we want to do um, or go into. But we do want to kind of, you know, uh, expose Christianity a bit more and, and kind of talk about that and share about, about for us, you know, there's that again, uh, why Christianity is something that, that is meaningful to us, right? Um, so, yeah, going back to what I, had, I was just saying, uh, in terms of, you know, it's, it's not just about finding good morals. The core of Christianity, it's not about being a good neighbor. It's not about, you know, just loving the person next to you. It's believing that Jesus came and conquered death, right? And in his, through his coming, through God, you know, coming down to be um, a part of all of us, right? To be a human himself. And then to go through, uh, you know, his passion and his suffering to die the way he did and then resurrect and, and essentially conquer death that paved the way for redemption for all of us. And, and it showed us that, you know, again, I had mentioned our brokenness, despite our brokenness, um, we have hope. We have hope because Jesus has come to give us hope and we ourselves can defeat sin. We can defeat Satan and we can defeat death because Jesus did. And I think that the way you had put it, you know, as we were talking before our podcast was that, you know, good ethics and good morals and good behavior, that's just kind of on the path towards this ultimate goal of reuniting with Jesus in heaven, right? And, and joining the kingdom of yeah. God. So uh, we had to, you know, if, if anyone thinks that Christianity is just good ethics and, and good behavior, that's, that's really not it. Yeah, I feel like if we even zoom out a little bit, you know, um, the, the core question uh, I feel like Christianity really answers is like, why was like, was I made? And if so, what was I made for? Yeah. <clears throat> right. Like um, more than just like the biology of it. Right. Like why, why do I exist? Like that, that kind of question of existentialism, right. It's like, what, why am I here? Um, <clears throat> and you know, the, the Catholic, you know, the Christian way of thinking is that I was created by love for love to be loved. Right. Um, and you know, that's, why do why do we talk about Jesus coming and conquering death? Is because, you know, once we start to look at that and really explore it, you know that that testament, um, or there is no greater testament, I should say, than Jesus' life, right? The no greater example of that, you know, kind of part of creation, that 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 purpose, right? Um, it's almost like a case study, if you will, right? To to put it in another way, and so. You know, why do we talk so much about that? Why does, um, here's another question, right? Like, why, why do we look at as our symbol a crucifix, right? Like a, like a symbol of Roman torture. You know, why is that what we look at? Yeah. You know, um, it, it's bizarre, but it's because that is the piece that really, 
most represents all all those pieces and summarizes all those pieces that we talk about in terms of why we're created, what we're created for, and how we can pursue it. I, I want to quickly bring in last Sunday's gospel. So this was uh, the gospel uh, on Sunday, January 10th, 2021. Um, gospel of Mark, chapter 1, verses 7 to 11. And in this gospel, this is where Jesus gets baptized. And he enters um, the he enters the Jordan and gets baptized by John. And the way the gospel ends is, um, and at once as he was coming up out of the water, he being Jesus, he saw the heavens torn apart and the spirit like a dove descending on him. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son, the beloved, my favor rests on you. Uh, so last Sunday I watched, you know, we're all in coronavirus pandemic situation, so uh, couldn't go to mass, had to watch it online. And I watched um, the mass celebrated by Father Mike Schmitz. And the homily he gave, I thought, was was excellent uh, on this particular gospel. And he really talked about how at this moment of baptism, we need to remember that even though Jesus, as God, was born without sin, what he was doing in terms of getting himself baptized was we need to remember that that's a really humble humble act for him because for all of us when we think about the uh, when we think about baptism the idea of that is to wash away our original sin right and you know as we know or as i hope we know original sin is essentially the state in which we are often in some ways spiritually the most unclean right because we have that kind of stain on our souls and so if you think about what jesus is doing here and this is what father mike was saying by him, you know, it was already humble enough for him to take on human flesh and to become one of us. This is God, remember. For him to kind of enter the river and and to get himself baptized, even though he really didn't need to, this is him participating, again, in our salvation. It's, it's him inviting us and leading the way towards um, conquering death again, conquering sin, and I think that really just feeds into, again, to get to, to your point about why were we made, right? It's, it's just purely because God loves us so much. And, you know, we are God's children. We are his beloved and his favor rests on us. And, and it's, it's really crazy almost to think about, um, you know, God's love in that kind of way. Yeah, um, I think in the catechism, it actually talks about uh, describing that is in the catechism or was it some, oh my goodness. I think it's in the Catechism too, but it was also in, I think, readings around the Ascension. But anyways, there are lots of great church readings, and apologies for, for pushing this a little bit, but that describe that actual movement of Jesus coming into our humanity, and it describes it perfectly with one word that we use for another in another way a lot of times, but a, a really perfect word to describe what's happening. It talks about the condescension of Jesus from Godhead to humanity, right? And, and condescension not in the sense of like, um, oh, look at me, I'm so haughty. But like in the, in terms of the literal sense of going from something higher to a lower state, yeah. Yeah. right? Um, and, and, and to your point, down to, you know, the, 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 low, the low place that we're at um, before, before baptism. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad you bring up last Sunday because I, I, you know, I also watched Mass. I watched a different Mass um, from uh, St. Anthony of Padua in Vancouver. Um, okay. Father Justin Huang, um, who's the pastor there, and and he gives a really great homily. So I think I mentioned it before, but I really encourage everyone else to check him out too. And he talked about um, a really interesting point that I'm going to just going to build on what you're talking about here, where <clears throat> a description of 
the River Jordan, right? Uh, just like geographically. So it, it's between the Sea of Galilee, which we hear about from, you know, uh, from the readings. And, and that's where, you know, um, Andrew and, and Simon were fishing, fishing uh, before and, you know, James and John and, and, um, and that type of thing. So it's a place that's full of life, right? That's where mm-hmm. you go to get your food. So the River Jordan flows from the Sea of Galilee to the Dead Sea where nothing can live. Mm-hmm. Right, so it's it's actually really interesting because he talks about how it's it's very symbolic in a lot of ways too. That like Jesus is coming down to us, like you said, in our in our state of lowliness, and he's inviting us to go against the stream towards the sea of life. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think that was really beautiful too, um, because again, like this this really speaks to why Christianity. It's like, you know, uh, Christianity also just doesn't shy away from how tough this whole thing is. Right. It's not saying like, oh, just do these one, two, three things and then you're good to go. It's like, no, like, you know, there's going to be suffering here. Right. We talked about this, you know, two, three episodes ago. Right. That, like we look for grace in the suffering and, that, and that's very countercultural. But, you know, it's 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 something that's really crazy. But, you know, the beautiful promise of God's love uh, right, and, and his grace to, to bring us through that, I think is really cool. This participation and this invitation by God is just so representative of uh, what what makes Christianity so beautiful. And I think that what that is, is just, this is a God who seeks to be in relationship with us. Um, this yeah. is a God who, who out of his infinite love and mercy, out of, you know, love and mercy that we would never be able to understand as, as humans. Um, it's, he's not a God that's just hanging out up there, you know, playing with us as toys or whatever and laughing at us yeah. from afar. This is someone who actually walked the earth with us and on top of that you know same thing he didn't just sit on a throne made of gold um and order us to do things he he walked in the humblest of ways um he was last episode we talked about how he was born in a manger remember manger isn't something that is you know you want to be born in this is something that animals feed from and and then he he i've already talked about this but he suffered you know so much uh, pain and, and, and before even his, his death, right? So um, it's, it's important to remember and to stay grounded in what kind of God uh, we, we worship, right? This is a God who yeah. seeks to be in relationship with us. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think it's really well summarized by reading back, just, you know, rewinding to Advent. I think it was Isaiah. Uh, when God basically said, and paraphrasing here because I don't have the actual verse in front of me, but um, God basically talks about how, you know, the kings of Israel have done such a poor job of shepherding that he says, like, I myself will come to shepherd you. I myself will come yeah. to redeem you, right? Yeah. Um, and that that summarizes it so well. It's like, look, you know, I'm not just going to, to your point, I'm not just going to stay at arm's reach the whole time. I'm just going to get into the thick of things, get into the mess of it and, and be with you through it. Right. And that, that's something that is unique to Christianity, right. Unique to, to show that this is something that um, was prophesied that God declared would happen and actually did happen. Right. When we first started planning for this episode, we were, we were saying that like, you know, we want to, we want this to be a bit more of an intellectual episode. You know, there's a bit of sharing here. There's a bit of our own experiences, um, but try to talk a bit more from the knowledge side, maybe. Uh, But again, we would be remiss when talking about Christianity to not talk about how God wants to be in relationship with us. That is, it's something that, you know, I think is truly unique to, to the Christian faith. 
and uh, is a very, very core tenet of what what it means to be a Christian. Um, just moving on here, I think, you know, there's a really prominent quote here that you put from C.S. Lewis. I, I don't know if you were going to read it out or, or whatever you want to do with it. Yeah, I'll read the whole quote. I might as well. Um, mm-hmm. and, and just before I do read it, I feel like this really wraps up most of what we talked about today anyways. Um, in terms of seeing you know, Christianity as something more than just a set of moral codes, right? So he talks about Jesus, uh, who he is, and his implications in him. So I'll just take a direct quote from C.S. Lewis here. Quote, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. And I guess a quote again in here, he says, um, when people say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say, says C.S. Lewis. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with the man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So I think this is a really great quote because C.S. Lewis doesn't mince any words here, right? He he straight up calls it foolish to say that Jesus was just a great moral teacher. Um, But I think he makes a really great point, right? It's like, you know, it's weird to just say, like, he said some great things when really, if you think about it, um, Jesus said all of these equally with, you know, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? Um, You know, what comes to mind is some of the things that even lost him disciples, right? And when he said, like, only those who gnaw my flesh, right, who, like, Mm -hmm. actually go and, and eat my flesh and drink my blood, will achieve eternal life, right? Like, these are things that they're not, you know, just tame things that he said. So, you know, it's it's really weird to only take some of what he said and not others. Yeah, and I think this quote is really good just to remind us, right, as a bit of context that, you know, there are people out there who believe that Jesus existed and that, that Jesus walked this earth, but they just say that, again, you know, he's just a great moral teacher, and this is what C.S. Lewis is getting at. But for us as Christians, we, we genuinely believe him as not just some guy. Uh, he he yeah. is the one true God, the one true living God. Um, so I, like you said, I think it's a perfect way to kind of wrap up this episode, just to kind of remind us of how this is someone who, um, you know, uh, what took on our human flesh, um, but at the same time was God. So um, so like we said, uh, our, our next episode, we're going to dive into a bit more of why are we Catholic? Like, why did we, um, you know, we talk so much about the Christian faith and God being in relationship with us. Um, and often, I think, you know, if we were to go back over our episodes, that's kind of, it covers a, a lot of the tenor of, of what our episodes are. So we want to get into a bit more into, uh, you know, uh, why did we specifically choose the Catholic Church? Obviously, the the other alternative, the other big alternative would just be Protestantism. Protest, Protestant, Protestant, Protestantism. There we go. I got it. Um, yeah. So, so we'll be going into that next episode. So keep an eye out for that. Um, again, you know, we're really excited to um, find ourselves on on FLL. So you can go check them out. Uh, find, listen to us there. 
Um, but otherwise, we hope this episode was good for you, just in terms of uh, understanding the understanding religion, understanding the Christian faith, um, and and you know, it's it's a big conversation. I think this ended up being another long longish episode, but it's a big conversation, and, and it deserves that conversation. So uh, keep an eye out for us, and uh, we'll you'll hear from us next time. Bye, everyone.